Race cars, guitars, journalism, religion, sex, and aliens. These are the interests of Claude Volhan. And when his life wasn't shaping up the way he intended, he combined a few of these interests into something he called realism. Today, we'll tell Claude's story, looking at the formation of his cult, the scandals and debauchery associated with it, and look at what realism is doing today. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you're looking forward to hearing the story of a super horny racing enthusiast who gets off on fucking the brainwashed wives of his followers, stick around. Maybe next year we'll do a story on Mike. This is Necronomapod. Yes, I was journalist in the center of France in 1973, and I was contacted by people coming from outer space. And they, these people are very special. They contact me. They came in a volcano with a what you, 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 the name you give is UFO, yeah. but it was not a, exactly UFO. And a man went out of this flying saucer and he spoke to me. And he told me a fantastic message. And I will resume a little bit this message because it's very revolutionary. And it's a new hope for everybody. They came on the earth a long time ago. And they create through genetic... I think sometime maybe in June, we need to do an episode where we're just drinking nothing but scissor the whole time. <laughs> really? Let's have some fun. It's June. <laughs> I'm not going to say no to that idea. All right. It always what? looks so cool in the yeah. things I've seen. Lil, Wayne, Lil Wayne sure loves it, right? Yeah. What is it? It's the codeine? Liquid codeine yeah. and, and what? Like cough syrup? I think that's exactly what it is. Or is it liquid coating cough syrup and like grape soda or something? Something like that. I think you could mix it with all that. Yeah. We'll mix it with Tito's, obviously, because <laughs> that's how we were. Obviously. <laughs> and we'll just do all of that. We'll do like like liquid coating cough medicine, grape soda, and Tito's. We just invented the next Mountain Dew. That's a hell of a concoction. <laughs> I always remember coating being really good if I was ever prescribed that. That's a nice buzz, codeine. I think that'd be a hell of For an me, anyway. It'd be a, a fun little show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally just like doing like backflips into the wall in the middle of the show, just like destroying I things. I see that. <laughs> Lean, right? That's the other name for it? Lean? Is it? Lean and scissor. Lean. All right. Well, we'll have a scissor night then, maybe. Can you even get codeine? Cough syrup anymore? <laughs> I don't know. Dave knows people from his <laughs> bottle rockets and his hoodie days. He's setting himself on fire back I on the believe, streets. Well, yeah. <laughs> I believe in, in the UK, it's a little more relaxed and you can get like a dumbed down version of codeine, lesser strength over the counter. Like they're uh, not as uptight as we are over here. So should we just record an episode over there next month? I would be open to that. <laughs> I mean, if you drink twice as much, it's <laughs> full strength, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Can you imagine? Laws of math say that's true. If this was the ridiculous segue into us like announcing our first live show is going to be in the UK, <laughs> it's all just for the scissor coding. party. <laughs> scissor party 2022 with Necronomapod. Cool down media presents. <laughs> what else you guys been up to? Mexican pizza's back in uh, Taco Bell. I saw how many you I'm, think uh, Just Brew Jared had this week? 15. Probably, least, probably, right? Probably. 
Angie got one the other night. Was it good? Uh, no, it was not good. <laughs> I've seen people posting online like videos of them like eating, trying them or, you know, because they're back. They look awful. Yeah. Like the most sloppily put together. Like, and it's Taco Bell. So standards are already pretty low for like how they, the things look. It just looked <clears throat> awful. Looks like someone just fucking stomped on the box yeah. before giving <laughs> it to you. They gave it the old filet fish treatment. <laughs> yeah. you know, and we've told that story. We were in the drive-thru after that show one night, and, we, and, and Jesper Jared was going to get a Mexican pizza. Like, the funny thing about that story is that he was going to get a Mexican pizza because he doesn't eat fast food, and he has no idea what to get at Taco Bell. <laughs> and he goes to the gym every day, yeah. and a fat-ass is us. We're like, yeah, I don't want a Mexican yeah. pizza. And we both, He's like, I don't know what to fucking order. I don't eat here. Both sexes shit. Verbally assaulted him. <laughs> like, got hot about it. And then I think we just told him to shut up, and we'll order for him. Let the fat boys tell you what's good here. <laughs> But, I mean, you can't go wrong with the cheesy gordita crunch. Uh, no, you cannot. Uh, beefy five-layer burrito. It's mm. a good one, too. Yeah, I always get those. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Anything we, you say from there, I'm probably going to be like, mm, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had their Mexican pizza. It's just not, no, I, I didn't know anyone ever got it. No. Like, who orders that? Yeah. I tried a piece. Angie tried a piece, and then we were both done with it. Wow. Why would you do that? Yeah. yeah. They probably charge you like four ninety nine for that bitch. Yeah, because I door dashed it. <laughs> <laughs> this, guy, this guy's got me in the door dash thing. <laughs> he does it for every meal. Dude. <laughs> he gets, you know, you don't even go out anymore for your food. Um, that's not that's not accurate. <laughs> well, I'll be honest though. Like last week, we had eaten out somewhere, but then it was like eight o'clock, and I'm like. <laughs> really could go, really go for a blizzard. I swear to God, two blizzards and a French fry ended up being fucking thirty dollars. Insane. I like how we said we were going to be healthy <laughs> two weeks ago. You I know what I had for lunch today? I can't do it. Two double smash burgers from Culver's. <laughs> oh, so good! I almost. <laughs> Couldn't wait till I got home because, of course, I stopped. I almost pulled over into a parking lot to eat them. And I like had to yeah. smack myself. I'm like, listen, you fat fuck. You can go home. You do not have to eat this in your car. Look, we're going to go out in a coronary uh, blaze of glory, right? <laughs> Could be worse. I have not been eating a ton of fast food. I have cut back. But today, I, I think I ruined every little bit of progress I may have made. Yeah, I haven't either. I've been working out and lifting weights. Yeah. No, I haven't been doing any of that. Well. But I've been having a lot of, you know, tuna and spinach wraps. And that's good. It's it's good, but you know, it's not a double smash burger from Culver's. <laughs> no, no, it's not. They were so damn good too. It was three minutes and twenty seconds, I think it took to finish both of them. It's gotta be some kind of a record. <laughs> They're so good. Those, those burgers at Culver's are so good. We were talking about it the one day, Dave. I think we should have, uh, maybe a competition, not a competition. I want to see how quick each of us can eat a cheeseburger Happy Meal from McDonald's because it's all going to be under sixty seconds. It's just a matter of how, like, can you can like can you beat your best time if we do it like multiple Six, times? Uh, Twenty seconds max. <laughs> Okay, but that's 60. what I want to see. It's all going to be under a minute. Twenty. So you think twenty seconds? What's what is included in there? Uh, like a cheeseburger, a, a little fry, or apples? You get like what? Do I have to eat the so, toy? What what all is involved? Here? I mean, I don't think in twenty seconds you're just going to be shoving it all in, right? Whatever goes in goes in at that point. So and that's then, what she said. And then you, we're going to have to include probably the drink too. 
So you get like a little small, you can do like a water, you can do a water or a pop okay. or a milk so or whatever. A single cheeseburger, a small fry and a water. And I think a couple of <laughs> apple slices, or you yeah. can upgrade to more fries, I think. Mm. Yeah, you can get double fries or apple slices. I think the fries would be easier to probably, quicker to, to chew. I think I could do that in 15 seconds. <laughs> 15 seconds. Yeah. All right. I think we need to just record this and put this on like Patreon. 15 seconds. We could have listeners take bats over under 15 seconds. I can do that in 15 seconds. Or Dave to eat. <laughs> And a, drink a single little cheeseburger. At, at yeah, McDonald's. just the Happy Meal, not a McDouble. Yeah. No, like no, just no a gimmicks. No gimmicks. Just the cheeseburger, the fries. You probably upgrade to like the extra fries, unless you wanted the apples and the drink. No, that's a lot of chewing. We'll do the extra fries. I think so. Easier to just mash up and swallow. Fifteen seconds. Fifty. All right. That seems <laughs> a little quick. Okay. Twenty seconds, probably. Definitely twenty, I, probably fifty. I, I could not, I don't. I can't eat that quick. I wouldn't be able to do that. Right. I think we might need to do this. I'm going to come in next week <laughs> with scissors and Happy Meals. <laughs> that's a fucking party. It's looking up, man. Or that's, would that's you a do? Time would you rather do it with chicken nuggets? The smallest is like I think I think a four piece nugget. That's like four yeah. seconds. But that is literally <laughs> one bite. Like you can put all four in one bite. Yeah. Right. I think a cheeseburger would be a little bit more of a challenge. But the cheeseburger is two bites. Right. So, I mean, it's a little <laughs> bit more of a challenge. It's still two bites as opposed to one with the nuggets. I, either one, man. This is going to be so much fun. <laughs> either one. All right. The the Dave Happy Meal Challenge. And then, like, listeners can send us videos. If they beat you, they win a prize. Your prize is your heart's going to explode. <laughs> Congratulations. Enjoy <laughs> those medical bills. You won. <laughs> This will be something else we never follow up on, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like a good idea right now. We'll do it. I'm in. All right. Well, that's all I have. <laughs> I got nothing else. We literally cannot not talk about junk food. <laughs> yeah. It always goes back to it. Claude Vorlhan, a.k.a. Rael, was born on September 30th, 1946 in Vichy, France. His mother, Claudette, was 15 years old when he was born and Claude's father is kind of lost to history. All we know is that his first name was Marcel and that he was a Jewish immigrant who had been bouncing throughout Europe to avoid being imprisoned or killed by Nazis. Marcel ended up getting married to another woman, but still saw Claudette off and on until 1949. Eventually, Claude and his mother moved in with her sister and her mother. This aspect of his life is reported a couple different ways. One version is that his mother was Catholic, but not really a practicing Catholic, and his grandmother was an atheist. The other version has it as his mother and grandmother were both atheists. Either way, when it was time to go to school, Claude was sent to a Catholic boarding school. At some point while in this Catholic boarding school, Claude took communion without being baptized, which caused all kind of shit. And he later said that he found it funny at how mad the priest got over it. I mean, you can't eat the body of Christ without getting dunked in water to remove the sins that you were born with. It's that, blasphemous. That, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? <laughs> I was uh, at my first communion. I was deathly ill, like had to like run to the bathroom three times during the ceremony to go throw up like the, the service to go. Throw like you were up. nervous or just no, sick I, I was sick. legit sick. I think it was my body telling me, hey, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it was rejecting all of it. I was just being a, you know, good little second grader trying no. to follow the yeah. rules. No, I was just legit, just sick. That sounds horrible. Yeah. Wasn't pleasant. No. Okay, that's it. Should have been home in bed. I was after. Like, you know, I, I don't know what if you did this, but like 
when I was in school, like then you had a big like party after. Oh yeah, it's horrible. I was in bed the whole time. <laughs> I didn't. I missed all of it. I missed the cake, all the good stuff associated with that. Missed. You just did the bad part. Missed the good part. Threw up and ate wafer, cheap little cardboard things. Your family party got drunk. We're like, huh? Where's that new little Catholic fucker? Yeah. Huh? He's, <laughs> he's upstairs. He's sick. Yeah, Muscuzzi. He rejected the body of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Satan. At that point, Claude was either taken out of the boarding school by his mother or kicked out. It depends on which version of events you go with. And he was sent to another boarding school that had no religious affiliation. According to Claude, at this school, he was picked on by other students for not being good at sports. But there was an event that kind of changed everything for him. Claude said that there was like a mini race with go-karts and he won that race. At that point, Claude dreamed of being a race car driver, and he ran away from boarding school at 15. Claude's plan was to hitchhike to Paris, but pretty soon he was out of money with nowhere to stay and nothing to eat. All Claude had on him was his acoustic guitar, and just at the right moment when Claude was completely down and out, a famous French race car driver picked him up. Together, the two of them went out to a diner where they hung out with two waitresses who had just gotten off work. Claude said that he sang them songs and played his guitar and that he charmed these women enough that Claude and this unnamed race car driver had sex with them that night. And Claude Claude said it was, quote, his initiation to lovemaking. (laughs) We we. (laughs) We could end the story right there. Like we peaked as an episode, right? Banging out some hot chicks with your race car driving hero. What else do you want? Sounds like the perfect life. I think I had a clip of Claude from that night. I tell you what, you stop resisting me and I, I will stop resisting you. (laughs) (laughs) I got one more Claude that night. Ah, but you are so wrong, my darling. I love you. He's got a lot of game, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pepe LaClaude. Sexual assault is apparently, ac- apparently acceptable when you hide it behind a cartoon uh, raccoon or skunk. Excuse me. What an aggressive little fucker he was. Ah, my little darling. It is love at first sight, is it not? No. <laughs> He's like, no, it's going to be, though. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's interesting. Dave, good research finding those clips, though. You like that? Yeah. yeah. It's all in the archives. It's got nowhere to look. <laughs> you, you did a journalism. <laughs> <laughs> Claude was actually pretty talented when it came to singing and playing guitar, and he was discovered by a radio producer named Lucien Maurice. Maurice took Claude under his wing and had Claude performing under the name Claude Seller. Claude had six singles come out, but received the most attention for his song called Honey and Cinnamon which is really weirdly erotic if you look at the translation. (laughs) (laughs) However, when Claude turned 24, Maurice committed suicide, which completely ended Claude's musical career. It sounded like Maurice was the only person that saw something in Claude regarding music, and no other producers would take a chance on him. And that's legit. That's not Mm. cult leader bullshit. Okay. Which you can find. I found... A couple examples of the songs. I did not find Honey and Cinnamon, but I found this song here. We'll take a quick uh, quick listen. Mm-hmm. 
nous connaissons J'ai toujours eu de vos nouvelles Avant vous et votre maison Toutes mes nuits étaient pour elle Monsieur, votre femme me trompe Monsieur, votre femme me trompe That's a quick Clemson movie, yeah. I think I saw him open for Nickelback. Guys. <laughs> I'm sure you did. He's fucking rocking it, man. So that song is titled Monsieur. I don't know, I can't do this, but Voter Femme Trump. Monsieur Vem Dom Trump. <laughs> Translation Sir, your wife is cheating on me. <laughs> Meaning, stop fucking your wife. She's mine. I don't know. Do we have any French listeners? That can help us out with that. I took French in high school, but I don't remember one lick of it. What did it say? Sir? Sir, your wife is cheating on me. <laughs> Maybe it's supposed to mean with me. It says yeah, on I mean, me. I, I get it. That okay. was the Google Translator. And the Google Translator can't be wrong. Yeah, so Google's I, I don't know wrong. what to tell you. Literally never been wrong. All right. Good stuff. I quite yeah. enjoyed it. I got it on my Spotify now. Well, I was going to ask you, you think that song would be on your fuck playlist? Like, it's really sexy and weirdly erotic. Well, right? I think you play that before you fuck. Like, that's what gets the girls uh, in the mood, right? Like Ian said, it's weirdly. Well, Honey and Cinnamon was weirdly erotic. Yeah. This I, is weirdly something else. It's, it's on my, I have a foreplay playlist. Oh. I call it a foreplay list. And it's just the stuff like that. Like, what's going to set the mood? Get the juices flowing, if you will. Right. This into hinder into three days grace <laughs> and the seven Mary three and finished off by a five finger death punch. Oh, well, that's how we finished the night. <laughs> that's in my closing playlist because as soon as I finish I do my five finger death punch, it transitions right into the five finger death punch closing playlist. And that's you know, that's when it's time to get you know, lights come on, get your clothes back on, and then you know. Get the fuck out. We got to go to sleep. <laughs> I, I'm adding this, though. You should. It's really good. Pre-sexy. Pre-sex list. <laughs> uh, so Claude was back to singing at cafes and diners, but he did have some money saved up from his musical career as Claude Seller. But his goal at this point was to have a successful career as a race car driver. While singing at these diners, Claude met... Marie, Paul, Christini, and the two of them fell in love. They got married pretty quick, which Claude said was to make her parents happy. Then they moved to a small town south of Paris to be closer to Claude's mother. Here, Claude tried to expand on that dream of being a race car driver, but it didn't work out, so he got into journalism. You got into journalism last week, Mike. It turned out pretty good for you. I do a journalism from time to time. It's not that hard, right? Wait, like once a year. And you guys send me to go do things. Either that or I'm, I'm walking through cemeteries like a, you know, moron just trying to look for a grave that I don't know if it exists. You did well. Bravo. Um, yeah. No, well, I don't know. I hope people like last week's show. Seemed like we got good responses. So that was good. Made it worth it. Mostly positive. Yeah. All Mo- around. Mostly positive. <laughs> eh, a couple of people don't like you, but that's all right. Well. I also like how, uh, you know, this guy won a like middle school, grade school go-kart race. So now he's going to be a professional race car driver. <laughs> like imagine you win like a little league baseball game. You're like, well, that's it. I'm being a pro baseball player. Does that stem back to the fact that racing is not a sport? It doesn't take much talent to be a race car driver. I think that's probably what it is. Sure. Because <laughs> obviously he sucked at everything else when, you know, when it came to 
athletics. That's why he was made fun of. Yeah. Like that Dale Earnhardt guy wasn't very good at racing. He <laughs> drove right into a wall. <laughs> You're not supposed to hit the wall, right? Like that's not the goal of racing. Typically, supposed to hit the finish line. You right? can't win a race if you're hitting the uh, wall. See, yeah, that that, that guy was terrible, and he was, he was a professional race car driver. Obviously, doesn't take. You're any saying skill. Claude had a chance. <laughs> Claude had a chance. Is what you're saying? I'm saying Claude might have been the Dale Earnhardt of France, the French Dale Earnhardt, if you will. Okay, could have been. <laughs> it made me think of uh, L. Ron Hubbard. How he was a race car driver in one life. He had blue car and he came back with the red car yeah. and came back with the yellow car. <laughs> it was three of his lives in a That's row. Right. He came, he crashed and died. Dale Earnhardt style. Came three back. times. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Started out with a red car, died, came back with a blue car. <laughs> and it was the same fucking race just over and over again. We'll get into it with this story, but I will say that L. Ron Hubbard was supposed to be a good science fiction writer and whatnot. This guy's stories are way better than the nonsense that Elrond came up with. Well, but this stuff is real, though. He didn't write this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. We'll get to that, I guess. Oh, okay. Claude started a racing magazine called Autopop, which was really successful. Eventually, Autopop got Claude connections in the French racing scene, and he ended up talking himself into getting his own race car. Claude was winning races, and he had two kids back-to-back with Marie-Paul. Marie-Paul stayed home and raised their kids while Claude was out racing and bringing home decent money with the Autopop magazine. Then on November 30th, 1973, all that came crashing down, kind of like his music career when the French prime minister put into place new laws that put restrictions on speed limits when driving. So these new laws essentially put the racing industry out of business as well as Claude's magazine. And this had to do with the the oil embargo crisis of 1973. Oh, okay. The whole world went through. That's why they enacted that stuff. Just for context here. You can't cut, <laughs> catch a damn break, Kenny. No. Like he came up with this successful, thriving thing. And they're like, eh, no, we're not going to race anymore. It's over. How do you put a rate a speed limit on fucking auto racing? I mean, I guess you just say you can't do it, right? It essentially shuts yeah. it down, right? Like you could race, but you can't go over twenty. Well, okay, what's you know? Yeah. Everybody can go twenty. You're not gonna. Yeah, and that's like those old videos you see of people, you know, hundred cars in line for the gas stations in the, in the early seventies in this country. I believe this is how marathons started, actually, because they're like, oh, we can't race, we'll just run against each other. <laughs> you got to do something. <laughs> and the modern day marathon was born. Really? Here in the 1970s. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to look it up because I already did for you. Just take that as fact. I thought I had read it was something about marathon Greece in the early, you know, way back when. But yours sounds much more plausible. That sounds completely okay, fake to sure. me. <laughs> <laughs> so conveniently, when Claude seemed to be out of financial options, he was visited by the Elohim. Not to be confused with our Elmer Fudd sounding friend down in Elohim City <laughs> outside of Arkansas. <laughs> that was a hoot. Honest to God, when I read this, I'm like, this is the best thing about this whole story. And I'm glad you pointed out because I wouldn't have even remembered uh, Elohim City. The, uh, the name Elohim City. Really? Like, do you remember? I that? actually remember that. I one. did yeah. until you pointed it out. It was just fucking absurd. Like you, we played the clips of that oh guy my on God, the show. So funny. The whole story of Elohim City is absurd. Just one family awful. went down there started it there's obvious inbreeding they don't use money they use like those little fucking marbles and shit was that in ruby ridge 
or was it Waco or was it Oklahoma, Oklahoma. City when we finally got to them? Yeah, because there's like suspicion that Timothy McVeigh went through there for That's a bit. Right. I couldn't remember which of our non-heroes of that month and a half of shows was part of them. That was the whole racist hotline stuff. That was hello, yes. racist hotline. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was. I can't remember the name of that, but it was for racist people to call to like report their yeah. negative experiences with yeah. other races. Be very, very quiet. There right. might be black people around. <laughs> you, it has to be fake, and then it's not. Right, this guy exactly. is talking, and it's that. Hello, racist hotline. No, my widow white wee wee does not get all twingly <laughs> when I see Wiana. <laughs> Racist hotline. Racist hotline. Absurdity. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it would be real life, but it I is. I did get excited when I said I get to do the Wasis hotline again, though. <laughs> it's so absurd. <laughs> Whoa. So Elohim is a real word. It's just not some made-up nonsense. It's a Hebrew word meaning gods, but in the Hebrew Bible, it's used to describe a singular god of Israel, and the Eloha is the plural. There are a bunch of people smarter than me that devote their lives to studying this stuff, so I'm taking their word for it over Claude's. But for the sake of this episode, the Elohim are extraterrestrials, plural, and the Eloha is the singular for extraterrestrial. Okay, I got it, I think. It's very confusing. <laughs> there's a lot of tie, there's a lot of similarities <laughs> to Billy Meyer in here. There's a lot of confusing shit. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. He's the dude that had the really long beard. Yeah. yeah. Went back in time, took pictures of dinosaurs and stuff. That's right. And that and that girl and that girl, she's like, yeah, that's my picture. Hey, fuck, oh, that. <laughs> that was supposedly his uh, female right. alien companion that he was banging. There were people arguing with us on the social medias about that. Yeah. Like oh Billy yeah, Meyer Billy Meyer followers. supporter got a hold of us. I guess you guys don't know the story. <laughs> okay. okay, tell us. <laughs> that was it. Yep. It's very peculiar. <laughs> So this shit that Claude is coming up with about the Elohim being uh, being extraterrestrials is not something unique to him. People before him have interpreted the Elohim as, quote, those who came from the sky. And the scholars that I talked about, like being people that spend their lives researching this stuff, say that, that is, there's absolutely no proof that it says anything like that. Like that's like, a, like an ancient aliens guy saying it means those who came from the sky. Mm-hmm. And then you throw some like for real scholar and he's like, right. no, it doesn't. <laughs> kind of been close, sir. <laughs> I know you got great hair, Giorgio, but that's not what it means. <laughs> um, adding to this not being an original idea from Claude, in 1968, so five years before this experience we're about to talk about, Eric Von Daniken wrote and published uh, Chariots of the Gods, Unsolved Mysteries of the Past. This was the first real publication of the ancient alien theories, um, and it sold really well worldwide. So well that a year before Claude had his experience in 1972, it was turned into a TV documentary called In Search of Ancient Astronauts, and that aired on NBC. So they, I don't know if you ever saw the show In Search Of that was hosted by Leonard Nimoy way back when in the 70s. It was really cool. They did stuff like, 
the Loch Ness monster, like uh, you know, a lot of the shit that we talk about, and they did a couple of like full length movie pilots for that show, and this was one of them. Okay, it was narrated by Rod Serling from the Twilight Zone fame. So pretty cool stuff. I love that show. I used to watch it all the time. Really? Yeah, it was really it sounds good. cool. Yeah. So I think it's safe to assume that Claude pulled the Elohim ideas from from these. Yeah, I get I get a lot of mishmash ideas from this guy when we get into a lot of what he believes in and the stories he tells that happened to him. A lot of pull from Same. this, pull from that. Let me see what I can mash together and come up with my new religion. Not a lot of authenticity from this guy is what you're saying. Eh, I don't think so. You're not buying it. No. I'm not I'm not sure I hate it though. He doesn't pull the worst things from other ideas. I don't know. I'm up in the air with this guy still. So getting to his first encounter, on December 13th, 1973, Claude said that he felt compelled to visit an area of inactive volcanoes in the Clermont-Ferrand Mountains, kind of like how Billy Meyer felt that he needed to leave his bedroom and walk into the woods at five years old. <laughs> Once Claude got there, uh, the classic UFO flat on the bottom with a dome on top landed in front of him. Claude said that it was glowing white and also had some red flashing lights at the bottom, and it was completely silent. Out of the bottom of the UFO, a ramp came out and outstepped one of the Elohim. Claude said that it was a being that was about four feet tall, and in his first book that we're going to bring up, the Elohim were depicted as your standard gray. At least they were on the cover. But in their training videos later on, this being looks like a man with larger eyes, long black hair, and a black uh, chin strap beard. A chin strap beard. It's cool. It's cool. Look, right? come with a complimentary white t-shirt, a gold chain, cheap cologne, and domestic violence charges. I think it might. <laughs> I tried to find a picture of this illustration from their video. I couldn't find it. It's in the documentary. I know, but like a still. I don't oh, know. Oh, I was yeah, trying yeah. to. Mm. I see. Just watch the uh, I guess I could documentary again. The documentary, yeah. And then just take a picture with your yeah, phone. Then. I suppose, yeah. Do a real journalism. <laughs> the documentary is wild. I will tell you that. What is it on? It was a Vice documentary. In case people want to check it out. Yeah, we'll talk about it, I think, later. But it's interesting. So regardless of what it looked like, this being came out of the UFO and told Claude in French that it was one of the Elohim and that its name was Yahweh. Yahweh told Claude to go home and the next night come back with a Bible. Claude did as he was told. And at that point, over the course of six days, Yahweh explained the Bible to Claude, as well as the message that he was to spread for the Elohim. So they can do all this, but Yahweh didn't have a Bible handy. <laughs> a copy of the book that was supposedly written by him. Okay. Okay, Claude. It's almost like paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to universities and they can't even provide you with a damn book, right? You got to go spend another few hundred on the damn books. That'd be $600 for a used textbook, please. Dude, you're not even kidding, though. But you, you can trade it in for $4.25 right. when you're done with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you were wondering why uh, Claude was chosen for this, it was because he was an average man and not a scientist or something like that. The message needed to come from just a, an average everyday person. He's covering his bases, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm just a simple man. <laughs> well, wait a minute till you hear this. <laughs> they were looking for a simple man just like I. <laughs> also, because he was born after the atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima, 
uh, the Elohim wanted nothing to do with humans who were alive during any type of nuclear war. And if you were wondering why the Bible isn't just a straight up retelling of what we're going to talk about, it's because humans weren't able to comprehend the Elohim or their technology. So they had to dumb it down for us. Well, I believe that. It's the most rational description of the Bible I think I've ever heard. (laughs) Chalk one up for Claude. What about that story in the Bible where they chopped up that prostitute and mailed her remains to different parts of the country? Like, what was the original story? How See, was now that, Dave's just, how making that dumb down? Dave's just making stuff up now. That's not even in the Bible, probably. <laughs> or when Noah's daughters got him drunk and had sex with them. Like, so, what was the original so, story there that they dumbed down? When you're hearing this from Yahweh, you're like, hold up, time the fuck out. I got some questions. What is this one supposed to mean? <laughs> Just really tell, like, dumb it really down for me. What the fuck was this? What does Michael Scott say? Now tell it to me like I'm six. He uh, keeps going down in age. Uh, Yahweh told Claude that 25,000 years ago, the Elohim found Earth. And at that time, there was no life on Earth. No animals, bugs, nothing. Using advanced technology uh, that isn't really explained the Elohim transformed earth into a planet that would be able to sustain life. Like I get, I get the feel like, do you remember at the beginning of Prometheus where they landed on earth and put their finger into the water and created life? I get the feeling like it's sort of like that. And also our million zero dinosaur bones, the work of Satan they planted there to, yeah, there's probably something, some explanation (laughs) like that, similar to the Christian science Uh museums or whatever. I forget what part of Genesis does it reference what technology God used? (laughs) I guess I'm Dave today. (laughs) Not wrong with that, my man. Yahweh told Claude that humans were biological robots, which is going to later shift into clones, that we were made by the Elohim in their image. Adam and Eve were the first humans created by the Elohim, in that whole bit about Eve eating the fruit and fucking everything up, that was actually because Adam and Eve couldn't handle the fact that they were essentially clones of the Elohim. Like, oh, okay, it was like too much for them, I guess, or something. Like they couldn't. Does not compute. Yeah, okay. I don't know if they were like, I don't know. Well, like, they're working out the kinks. It's the first yeah. two, right? You're not going to get it right. That's what I mean. So Maybe they kind of fucked up. Prototype, first generation. Yeah, get rid of them. Start over. <laughs> This leads to what Claude is going to teach later on called what he calls scientific creationism. Claude was told that the universe is infinite and that the Elohim were created by species called the ad infinitum. The ad infinitum were created by species before them. And then it just goes on forever. Species creates species and it just goes. Yeah, that's literally what infinitum means forever. (laughs) That makes sense. Thanks, Claude. (laughs) That's the literal definition of the word. He was dumbing it down for us, pal. <laughs> he didn't expect you to know what that meant. And that's not like some unique thing either. Like that's accepted science that everything, it just goes on forever and ever. Yeah. He's chair picking some stuff here. All right. Let's see where this goes, Claude. Claude is not original. <clears throat> He's not original at all. It's not one of those original cult leaders, like the good ones, right? None like, of them are original except for Elrond. He doesn't. Elrond's pretty original. He didn't take He's anything from right. the Bible. No. He's uh Claude's an opportunist though, but uh, you know they all are though. They have to be. They put him out of business. 
necessity is the mother of all invention, right? So he's doing what he's got to do. Moving on to Jesus, this is pretty accurate in the Bible, according to what Claude was told. Prophets like Jesus, Muhammad, and Joseph Smith were born from an Eloha father and a human mother, with the human mothers having been chosen for the purity of their genetic code, beamed onto an Elohim spacecraft, impregnated, and then returned to Earth with their memory of everything erased. I mean, we did an audio play about how <laughs> Jesus was conceived, and that's yeah. not how we uh, interpreted it. God literally came down and had his way with Mary in, <laughs> in the marital home. He put G- Joseph in the other room. Lee. Joseph, the first cut. I read the words. I literally read the words. I, It's the truth, right? There was no spaceship. Not that I recall. I don't recall. There was a there peasant a house. There was a god cock. There was a jealous cuck Joseph. What do you call him? Cucky Joseph. Cucky Joe. <laughs> Cucky Joe. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> is that right? Cucky Joe? I'm pretty I, sure. I don't know. Cucky was used. I don't, Cucky Joe is awesome. That could be a shirt that we end up never making. <laughs> he didn't appreciate it, though. I remember that. Wasn't on a spaceship, though. I thought just maybe like that was you were supposed to interpret it that way. Like this all took place on a spaceship. Look, everything's interpretation, right? Sure. These I, days. I'm interpreting this Tito's right now a scissor. <laughs> just really want to have that. It'd be cool for a day. These prophets were guided by the Elohim. And as far as Jesus goes, humans went off the rails in crucifying him. Like, that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. The Elohim were like, wait, what's going on here? What's happening right now? <laughs> Pharisees, what are you doing? The Elohim stepped in after Jesus was dead and cloned an identical version of him, which is where you get the whole resurrection of Jesus. Uh, That makes total sense. (laughs) The Elohim watch every human on earth, kind of like keeping tabs on who deserves eternal life and who doesn't. And the Elohim give humans eternal life through cloning. At least he's making it fun thus far, right? Like you're having a good time here. So uh, thus far, I will say. So essentially, we're replacing heaven with cloning, right? Yes. In the simplest of terms. Well, you would you leave still. Your clone doesn't just like stay on Earth. You go to whatever planet where heaven is. Yeah. And then a new. It's just a variation. Yeah, sure. But they expedited it for Jesus because that wasn't supposed to happen. So he had like the expedited cloning, right? Three days later. Like you can picture like a control room up in Elohim. And they grab Jesus and crucify him like, what the fuck? John Taffer walks in, shut it the fuck down. Everyone's on high alert. I need a new Jesus Jesus. Get down there and clone that motherfucker. I feel feel like we're in like a a ER hospital room. And all of a sudden the doctor's like, clear. Everyone backs up. <laughs> they really did it. <laughs> they didn't do Jesus up like, get it down there, get it down there, go. It's been three fucking days. Code blue, code blue. <laughs> They're like, God, these ge- this generation of clones are fucking morons. Can't wait for the sixth generation to come out. <laughs> so I'm down with the cloning. Like, I like where we're going with this cloning. I believe that's the only way that you could ever possibly obtain immortality, humans. It's by cloning. So I'm excited to see where this goes. He really is like a 
a more fun and simple version of Heaven's Gate. Because well, he's a simple man. He's the average man. Marshall Appleway was confusing as fuck. Like, yeah, you could he wasn't great. No, he but just said a lot of things. Do they do that to confuse you and your the his followers and make him seem like he's smarter than you? Like, I I can understand this, but you can't. There was a method to that madness, I feel like. Yeah, but Applewhite wasn't able to get that many people, right? It was always small. He was yeah. always a bit of a, a clown. Well, he wanted to stay independent. He didn't want to sell <laughs> yeah. out and go mainstream. Like, they got a few heavy hitter, financially successful cult members, right? Someone's but they never attracted those that track many suits of Nikes. <laughs> like they were in a big, you know, fancy house in San Diego, right? Was yeah. there a, was there one house or what was the one that had the multiple houses on like the little compound? Uh, Solar Temple. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. But they never really went widespread, and they were poor for a while, moving around. Yeah. This guy's yeah, a little higher class Marshall Applewhite. I'm with you. I get I, it. Yeah. Higher class. <laughs> Some other important bits of info that were given to Claude on the third day of meeting Yahweh. Claude was taught the meaning of the Elohim symbol which was on Yahweh's suit and UFO. This is a pretty controversial symbol. They get grilled for this a lot. It's the Star of David being connected in the middle by a swastika. According to Yahweh, the interlocked triangles of the star mean, quote, as above, so below. And the swastika means, quote, all is cyclic in infinite time. Which I get that the swastika was not originally, you know, announced. But that's not a hill to die on. Yeah. And, you know. And that as above, so below is an old saying. That's nothing new. Actually, I read that they changed their symbol. I printed it out somewhere. I got it over here. Have you seen this? The swirly one? Yeah. Like, is that the new one? I was reading it. They changed it. They swapped it off for this one. That swirly one's a little different. They're like, hey, we'll just take the swastika and we'll kind of bend it in here like this a little bit. It doesn't look like a swastika anymore. Just swirl the paint a little bit on that. Yeah, there's a, a fisheye lens treatment, <laughs> and it's, it's not swastika anymore. There's a 60 Minutes about that, and they were asked about it, and it was uh, pretty aggressive. Like, why are you using a swastika mixed with the Star of David as your symbol? Mm-hmm. It's just being ironic. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not, it's like you can't make that argument. Yeah, it's just dumb. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. All right, strike one, Claude. Yeah. It's your first mistake you've made thus far. Is it that hard to make a symbol? Come on. He could have went with that swirly stuff. Yeah. The Curve the edges, <laughs> jack off. I mean, come on. On the sixth and final day, Yahweh gave Claude the name of the religious movement he was to spread around the world. And it was MADIC, which stands for Movement for Welcoming the Elohim Creators of Humanity. That's in French, I assume, right? Uh, yeah. The yeah tra- it doesn't line up with English, <laughs> no. so that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, no. I'm not trying to read a whole whole French sentence. (laughs) On September 19th, 1974, Claude held the first Matic public event in Paris, which was attended by around 2,000 people. Of that 2,000, Claude hooked 170 people and began preaching his message to them. Then on December 13th, 1974, Claude and these 170 members went to the volcano area where Claude had his first visitation from Yahweh. And each of them signed over a 10,000 franc check for the publication of the first Raelian book titled The Book Which Tells the Truth. 
that book had all the shit that we just talked about in it, but it didn't take long for members to start getting disillusioned with the message. If the title of your book is the book that tells the truth, I'm a hundred percent sure that the book does not tell the truth. (laughs) One of my favorite things about Claude is all of his book titles. It's just very like, just no thought. He's just like, well, what is this book? Well, it's just the book that tells the truth. That's what we're going to name it. (laughs) And also 10,000 francs. And at that time was about $58,000 times 170. That's like $10 million in today's money. If I sell my first book for $10 million, you're never going to hear from me again. That's it. That's I'm like, end. I just scammed all these people for $10 million. I'm on, going to Bali and you're not going to hear from me again. Just an absolute nonsense. It's nonsense. <laughs> like you won the lottery, dude. What do you like? Retirement time, right? The author retired. He never made a second book. <laughs> that was it. He got $10 million One in the first book. By May of 1975, a lot of those uh, 170 initial members were kind of getting bored with the movement. <laughs> you don't say, Motherfucker, 58 grand I gave you. <laughs> they wanted more UFO stuff and less of Yahweh. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> more UFOs, less God. That's what yeah. I want to. They wanted what Heaven's Gate was doing. Heaven's Gate was all about UFOs for the most part. Claude's just sprinkling it in here and there. His followers like, hey, fucko, we want some of that. Yeah. Bring that over here. <laughs> we see you got the good stuff back there. Bring it out. This started to turn into a power struggle. And in April of 1975, Claude held an emergency meeting where he pretty much kicked everyone out besides seven of his most trusted members and his wife, Marie Paul. However, seven members and his wife isn't really a successful cult. So just like that race car driver showing up at the perfect time, the Elohim visited Claude for a second time. <laughs> Were refunds available? For, <laughs> can you bring your book back? You're like, mm, I didn't love this book. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Life can be overwhelming, and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, irritability, fatigue, and more. We associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feel burned out, and BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. When I get burned out, my stress level skyrockets. This usually causes me to have crippling anxiety, which then prevents me from getting anything done. I often have to take time to stop, remind myself to breathe, and just relax. Talking with someone about how you're feeling can also help you out, more than you probably realize. Your mental health should be taken seriously. Nothing can cripple your day or stunt your motivation more than feeling depressed, anxious, or sad. We all have a lot to deal with in our daily lives, be it the struggles of work, keeping food on your table, or even paying the bills. Your mental health is one area that you shouldn't have to worry about. So whether life currently has you down, you're feeling unfulfilled, we're all experiencing our own form of strain in our mental health. And for that, BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you could be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Necronomapod listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Necro. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Necro. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash necro and thanks to better help for sponsoring today's podcast 
On October 7th, 1975, at 11 p.m., Claude again had a sudden urge to go out and look at the night sky. So he decided to go to Rock Platte, which is a remote place between two brooks surrounded by a forest. A UFO suddenly landed in the woods and, out of this bright light, walked Yahweh. I'm going to add some mood music here for this next part as we describe what's happening. It'll help set the scene. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) At that point, Claude was taken up in that UFO with Yahweh and sent to a remote base relatively close to our solar system, where Claude was given a relaxation treatment, including an organic breakfast and over an hour in a jacuzzi of warm blue liquid slightly thicker than water oh that sounds great it's like an intergalactic bed and breakfast (laughs) slash spa (laughs) smurf cum right (laughs) on the morning of october 8th claude sat and listened to a three-hour lecture from yahweh and then traveled to the planet of the internals three hours like "Mm, okay yahweh The planet of the Eternals orbited around a very large star and had a climate like the rainforest on Earth. Sounds humid. (laughs) Very. Claude later sat down with the Elohim and had a meal with the prophets Buddha, Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad. A guide then showed Claude the machines used for creating biological robots, a.k.a. clones. Claude then gave a picture of his mother to a machine, which instantly created a biological robot of her. That night, he received plans to build his future home on the planet of the Eternals and was given what sounds like a teenage female uh, biological robot to have sex with. Claude said that before reaching orgasm, he wore a helmet that played music (laughs) controlled by his thoughts, which made the female biological robots orgasm. Then Claude had an orgasm. I've had plenty of sex while wearing helmets. But it was for safety purposes. Like a Jimmy hat helmet. No, sir. No. No, Jimmy hat. Please. If you need one of those, you're not banging right. I'm talking about, you know, hardcore aggressive. Oh, like a real helmet? Yes. I you meant a Jimmy hat. No, okay. sir. <laughs> but I have never had a helmet that that could read my thoughts and play music. Would yours just be Seth Rollins' theme song over? <laughs> Burn it down! <laughs> I actually went back to the archives and got an audio file of Claude actually having sex with this robot. You guys want to hear it? Yes. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Thank you for making me come, Claude. You even found my metal robot clit, which is something that Mike Namapod could never do. <laughs> See, Claude knew what was happening. 11 years before I was born. And they knew that mm, when Mike amazing. Namapod was, was created or cloned. Maybe I was cloned, though, so I probably existed. What's also amazing. And I couldn't find the clit. Apparently, Mike Namapod was up on this ship, too, because I found a clip of him. <laughs> Same thing. I don't, I don't know why it was there, but I found it. You did so much journalism. I, I know. Here we go. Nice. Thank you for the lovely Nickelback music, Mike. You just made me squirt. So much alien robot cum. Please blow your load in my cold metal robot snatch. Uh, uh, uh. 
<laughs> so absurd. <laughs> I fucking love it. Metal robot snatch. Uh, here, I think that's one of the Spider-Man movies, isn't it? It is. Fucking yeah. Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Does anyone actually remember those movies or do they just remember the upside down kiss with Kirsten Dunst? It was her, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, it was her. I don't want, I don't, like if I ever, whenever yeah. I think of Tobey Maguire, what else did he do? I don't know. I think of the Spider-Man movie and I think of that kiss and that is it. Yeah. I don't love those movies. I don't know. I he don't did, like comic book movies. He did that one movie with Jake Gyllenhaal where he was like in Iraq and was a prisoner of war. It's not a, was it Jarhead? I don't know. And he came back and his wife, Natalie Portman was with Jake Gyllenhaal, like sleeping with him. Oh, damn. It's fucking intense. It's like for no, that that Hmm. movie is crazy. Like for no reason, just in a, for no reason, like just a fucking aggressive movie that fucks with your Mm. mind. Yeah. (laughs) And he does it well. Like he has like a complete mental breakdown. Really? Yeah. It's crazy. On the morning of October 9th, Claude took a bath, and soon after, Yahweh took him to the cloning machine and made an exact biological robot of Claude. Yahweh then told Claude that the movement should now be called Realism, and Claude's name was now Claude Rael, but he should only be referred to as Rael. Claude then spent a few more hours on the planet doing yoga and meditation sessions, Then at midnight of October 10th, 666 days after the first meeting with the Elohim and minutes after the last one, Claude was back on the earth at Rock Platte. You're trying to pull some Satanists into into this too? (laughs) A little mishmash uh, 666? Come on. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. I think that's just a coincidence, pal. Quit looking into that too much. (laughs) What's his clone doing now? It's just sitting in uh, Planet of the Eternals. Well, well, chilling. We'll talk about his clone later. Okay. Back up. Dave's excited. He just wants to know the story. He did uh, not do a journalism on that. <laughs> just, you know, creepily recording me having sex with a robot on a- <laughs> the planet of the internals. <laughs> not to be confused with the planet. <laughs> you are making every female listener come right now. I am a big proponent of cloning, so we'll see where this leads. Uh, this encounter led Claude, who is now only going by the name Rael, to publish his second book titled Extraterrestrials Took Me to Their Planet. <laughs> so great. This is it's so, so fantastic. Yeah. It's just straight up specific. He's like, I'm just laying it out there. What's this book about? Extraterrestrials Took Me to Their Planet? That's the name of the fucking book. There's no bullshit with this no, guy. No, not at all. Well, not yet. Like Barney Hill's book would be. I got abducted and they probed my asshole. <laughs> like, there's no nuance. There's no hey, nothing. You're not not buying that book, though. You see that on the shelf. You're like, okay, I'll take you. I love this guy. This is fantastic. The forewords written by his crack whore wife. <laughs> Jeez. Rayo hit conferences again, preaching about his encounters with the Elohim. But this time it was more polished. Rail was now wearing all white robes at all times and really embracing that cult leader look. Uh, and it worked out for him, which his cult leader look is ridiculous. He's it's got, pretty goofy. He's got the skull <laughs> pulled back into a man bun, which it's absurd. I found a photo of him <laughs> with the skull, but it was like all curled up and he had like the Larry Fine from the Three Stooges mm-hmm. and it was fucking awesome. He's something. I would, I, if I saw that guy, 
with these book titles, I'm almost in that cult. <laughs> like I'm one foot in the door <laughs> at this point. Pretty soon, the Raelian movement expanded to 700 members. Rail did this worldwide, just straight up rinse and repeat. And by 1975, Railism had grown to 3,000 members. The first two books that Rail put out were for the people that were just kind of interested or becoming a new member of Railism. The third book he published titled Let's Welcome the Extraterrestrials. <laughs> titled Let's Welcome the Extraterrestrials. He's got a gift. He has got a gift. I feel like this whole thing's like he didn't plan it out this far. No. He came up with these like this is a great idea. Like these aliens abducted me, and the whole oh, thing. Oh, just, you think you, you don't think he had a master plan from the beginning, Dave? And it just snowballed real quick. He's like, I can't believe people are buying these fucking books. He made ten million dollars. He's like, I have no name for the third book. I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Let's welcome the extraterrestrials. I feel like at this point he's the kind of guy like he's coming up with titles first. And then writing the book based on that, as opposed to like writing the story I, and then coming up sure, with the title. Sure. It's like, what is going to get people? Okay, this. Now, what could have happened? <laughs> this is fantastic. Here we go. A planet day spa. Now, hear me out. I wear a helmet when I'm banging a robot. And I play Bro, music I- for him automatically, and it makes him come. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bravo. You did it again, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That book was geared towards controlling members that had been there for a while. And it introduced classic uh, sexual predatory aspects of cults. Everything. Don't ruin it for me, Ian. Please don't ruin it. Yeah, he's flirting with uh, David Berg. Oh, come on. Everything was to be open sexually, multiple partners, things like that. This started out with Rail having sex with whoever he wanted and his wife, Marie Paul, coming home to find multiple women in bed with her and Rail. Marie Paul eventually left the marriage, but she was forced into a really degrading position in life. Rail made her cook and stuff like that while he was in the next room having sex with random Raelian members and while his children were home, which the kids were around 10 or 11 at the time. Again, it's that thing with cults where a sexual predator all of a sudden has the power to do whatever they want and get away with it. And he had his kids completely brainwashed because he had them buying all the God stuff, Mm. too. She finally left in 1985, so she put up with this shit for a long time. Ten years? Yeah. Did she take the kids? She tried to. Eventually, they came around. Um, but they were under this whole spell of that he was actually, you know, a prophet. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I'm sure it was fun to hang around dad, you know. And that led to orgies and parties and fourth book. Watch me bang this broad. <laughs> Please don't tell mom. <laughs> Bestseller. <laughs> Rail started to require members to attend massive group meditation sessions. Um, Because everything was free love and open, members were eventually required to publicly masturbate during these sessions. Then it started getting real weird with people licking each other's sweat and and using mirrors to be able to see other members' privates. Just all kinds of weird shit. Remember the jackass bit, Dave? (laughs) I haven't watched it yet. 
No, no, no. The old the old no, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Preston has <laughs> the sweatsuit on, right? Yeah. And it's in like a vacuum hose. I think I sweat. actually threw up watching that one. <laughs> and he's out, he's riding like the bike, oh, right? Oh, God, stop, stop. <laughs> uh, he takes the headphones off like we're not sitting two feet away from him. It, yeah, I won't get I'm into I'm plugging it. my ears it, right now, it, motherfucker. It, I can't hear you. It might be the most disgusting thing they've ever done. Um, that's it. I'm not going to get into it. This is a- oh, I looked away when I watched that. I think I had to leave the room. I've it never, was rough. I've, that's, <laughs> it's gross to me, but it's it's grosser today, which makes it a little. Fun. I'm getting sick thinking about it. Yeah, they, they were doing like that hot yoga shit where it's like just burning up. Yeah, some people, <laughs> some people have a fetish for that too, for like human sweat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was not trying to make him sick. I was trying to make a conversation. Some people get off to Nickelback. Some people get off to sweat. <clears throat> uh, Both aren't pleasant experiences, I would imagine. <laughs> I have a question though. Why do you need a mirror to see other people's genitals? I don't understand. That <laughs> I, don't, part. I don't get what's going on with like, that. Is it, it's the old mirror on like the, the tip of the shoe. It's like you're putting it on a. I, I don't know. Starts. Is it like mirror, mirror on the wall? Who's got the hairiest asshole <laughs> of them all? Like, what is the point here? Eight. Right, because if it's open, like it's all just yeah. open. Sex. Like if you like, need to see your own asshole, I can see that you need the mirror. But but why? Someone else doesn't need the mirror. What, what's happening here? I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, it's not like today. You just put your iPhone down there and just click, right? You're, you see your own butt. Yeah. Taint, whatever you need to do. Taint nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's easy. Well, there's a lot wrong with it, I would, I would argue. But if it's your thing, it's your thing. Who am I to judge? We know all this shit because uh, ex-members have come out and said stuff. His ex-wife, mm-hmm. uh, his first wife has said stuff. But a woman named Bridget McCann infiltrated. She's a reporter with the son she infiltrated one of their seven she actually infiltrated the group and hmm. was able to join for a bit okay and then reported on it so that's where we know most of this kind of stuff from all right eyewitness firsthand uh journalistic accounts the 1980s was truly the growth period for realism rail went on any tv show that would have him did every newspaper interview and he started his musical career back up with songs about the Elohim. 99% of people who saw him were like, fuck this guy. Like you just make fun of him. But that 1% of people who were disillusioned with society or just life in general bought what he was preaching by 1987, the membership of realism grew to 20,000 followers worldwide. And especially in Japan, he really took off in Japan. Hmm. It sounds like our show, like 99% of people are like, oh my God, fuck these guys. <laughs> and you get the 1% sickos are like, these guys are awesome. I mean, that's that's probably accurate, right? As long as that 99% aren't leaving reviews on iTunes and Spotify, then I'm fine with it. Just mosey on, go. You know, we're not for you. Okay. Nothing to see here. Move along. <laughs> Plenty of other podcasts out there. I, I think we'll talk about it later. The Vice documentary that you and I watched. Mike would never do such a thing as watch that and prepare for the show, but <laughs> I didn't know it existed until I read the notes. <laughs> but someone gave him a house in Okinawa on the ocean and it's just beautiful. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, like a, how well off he is. Yeah. Do, uh, do you mean like Vice TV, like the channel Vice? Well, Vice Media, I don't know the different divisions, but it was a Vice documentary. Uh, where do you and where do you find that? 
because I can't YouTube. find you can Vice TV stuff. Like all that, that dark side of the ring, you can't find. It's on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Rail was making a ton of money off book sales. And yeah, like $10 million in the first <laughs> book. <laughs> Fucking crazy. He's not just putting out these, these three books, but those were like the core books. He had multiple books come out with 20,000 followers. And he was charging for seminars. But he was really careful about showing the world how much money he had. In public, he appeared very modest, only showing that his money went to traveling around the world to spread realism. Some media members questioned what he was doing with the money, and Rail always responded with, quote, the Elohim have no restrictions on people living comfortably. Yeah, I bet they don't. How, <laughs> how you live in Claude Rayal in mansions and benzes? <laughs> Yeah, he's not like Baguan rolling up with 50 <laughs> Rolls Royces. <laughs> also in 1987, Rail met and married his second wife, Lisa Senegawa. There isn't a lot known about this marriage. Lisa's age is of question, but from old footage, you can clearly tell that she's younger than Rail. She started to be seen traveling around the world with him. In a 1990 media appearance, Rail had four women around him, while Lisa wore a pink tutu and held hands with them. It's not clear when their marriage ended, but it's assumed to have been somewhere in 1992. However, Lisa stayed in the Raelian movement for years afterwards. Right after researchers think that Rail and Lisa got divorced, Rail had an assassination attempt on his life. In the mid-1980s, a guy named John Paragon went to prison for drug smuggling. This is unclear too, but somehow... While in prison, John ended up joining realism. Then at that point, John's wife and his two kids joined as well. John got out of prison in 1991, and he found that his wife and two kids were now living with Rail, which meant there was a 99.9% chance that she was sleeping with <laughs> Rail. You could probably almost say 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about realism. Railing the members' wives, am I right? <laughs> I think that was his, his fifth book. <laughs> I'll rail you. <laughs> so did they have a prison ministry going? I have no thing? idea how this guy how joined. How do you find that in prison? That's interesting. Yeah, I find this interesting. It's very odd. Yeah. John came to believe that his wife and kids were brainwashed and being held hostage by rail. John left numerous threatening messages on Raelian answering machines and then this kind of all came to a head in August of 1992. John found out about a Raelian seminar where Rael was going to be speaking, so John showed up with a gun to kill Rael. John was stopped by security and local police before he could do anything, and John made it out of that situation without being charged for a crime. Fast forward to October 11th, 1992, since Rael was down to make any tv appearance he went on a show that kind of sounds like a french version of mari or so something like that french ian would have been watching this yes enjoying <laughs> every second of it we we having a little small glass of wine in the afternoon <laughs> in his apartment overlooking the eiffel tower Miswa, you are not the father <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like oh shit oh shit <laughs> Monsieur, you have not impregnated this woman. Rail was on there, 
and that weird sex meditation with the mirrors and all that was being <laughs> challenged by a psychiatrist when the show's host brought out John Paragon as a surprise guest. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> the show didn't bring up the fact that John originally joined realism or that he tried to kill rail. Instead, they let John tell his version of events. John said that his wife and kids were being pretty much held as sex slaves by rail. John brought up an accident from 1991 where a boy fell off of his bike into an empty pool that was being built on Raelian property. The boy ended up dying, but John said this was actually just a cover-up because the Raelian sacrificed this boy. Sixth book, I didn't sacrifice a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that feeling from these guys. That they sacrificed that kid? Yeah, no. Not at all. John was just saying shit. And look, if you're in prison and you get your family to convert to some religion and you get out and the leader of the religion is banging your wife, like you're going to say stuff like that, right? Yeah. You're not going to be a happy camper. If you join a cult, the leader's probably going to bang your wife. I think it's safe to say. That's usually how it happens. And you might get to bang a few people as well, but he's certainly going to bang your wife. That's the price you pay for admission, right? At least that's what I've learned in my time here on Necronomapod. <laughs> Knowing nothing about cults coming in, I have now been trained to learn that if you join a cult, the leader's probably going to fuck your wife. Nine times out of ten. I'm Marshall say, Applewhite is the only one. Yeah. Yes. There's always somebody. 90% of the time, though. Hey, nothing's free, right? No cult is free. <laughs> Financially, sexually, emotionally, mentally. Look, as far as cults go, this is not the worst one. And everyone seems very happy. Like if you watch well, this 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 documentary, for the, the documentary most part, is very one. uncomfortable with, with as much as you've been praising <laughs> this guy and this cult throughout the evening. So here's where I'm at with this. I watched the as doc- of right I wa- now what we've discussed. Yes. I've watched the Vice documentary before I read this outline. I'm like I think I can get into this cult. These guys are pretty cool. They have some wacky ideas. I don't know that most people in this group slash cult believe the abduction, not abduction, but the stories that the books that our friend here has been telling. But they're so literal. (laughs) (laughs) But it seems like a good time. It's a lot of free love there. They're pro-sex, pro-contraception, pro-cloning. Like, they're not bad people. Everyone seems happy. I'm a little disturbed by this, uh, you know, kitty-fucking stuff. So we're going to see where this goes. Until I read that stuff, I think I was kind of on board with these guys. It was really one-sided. It, it was. And, w- and when you watch the documentary, they apparently they sent out a bunch of invitations to people. They want to give them an award. Yeah. And the only guy that showed up is this Israeli document uh, documentary filmmaker. He's like, oh, I'm the the only one. And he kind of seemed like he succumbed to the charms of of Rael. Yeah, it was. It's interesting how they shot the documentary and how they how they framed the whole thing. I watched it before I really dove into researching and you were kind of on their side when you watched it. Yeah. And we'll, like you said, we'll talk about it more in detail at the end, but I was kind of tricked by it too, because I'm like, what are we going to talk about in this episode? We're just going to make fun of this guy's beliefs, I guess, because Mm -hmm. there's nothing. 
here. He had a moment where he was like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have requested this episode. <laughs> yeah, on the schedule. And then I got into all like the sex stuff and yeah. the, the obvious scamming of money from people. And I'm like, OK, yeah, yeah right. This guy's just. It's hard to reconcile that. He's the same as everyone But when you watch him on film and you watch, people seem very happy to be there. They do good works. They do good deeds. There's, I think some of it seems terrible. Do you guys remember last year when we did the the assassination of Garfield? Yes. Charles Gateau, the man who killed him, was a part of the, I believe it's called the Oneida, Oneida community. Okay. Uh, it's something like that. It was, I can't remember the pronunciation of it, but it, it sounds like it would have been the perfect community slash cult for Dave based on what you've described. It was free love, just sex living in this, the, the, you know, this little community. And like once a day, they'd all get together and talk about what they didn't like about each other. And like that was it. I'd like to tell people every day what I don't like about <laughs> right. them. That and sounds that, very And that also to just me. bang everybody. <laughs> And Gateau was like, they, he was the one that like nobody wanted to have sex with or do anything with because he was just so fucking weird. They I do like, remember this. They're like, we're open to thing. everything, but not you, motherfucker. <laughs> like, you're going to kill a president or something. <laughs> and then he went and killed the motherfucking president. <laughs> I, I just think that the, the repressive nature of most religions, this seems to, ver- to, to differ from that. They're very open and progressive. And, and while most religions talk about, a heaven and an eternal life like that, which is not realistic in in my opinion. These guys talk about cloning as the only way to immortality, which I a hundred percent buy into. But your clone's not going on another planet. No, that's what he's saying. It's a lot, yeah, I, it's I, a lot I, fun. I guess it's the broader <laughs> idea. <laughs> it was, but cloning, in my opinion, is the only way to achieve immortality. Yeah. And you have to clone that body. With no soul, not, not, no soul, but no brain it has just to be an empty vessel. So you don't remember anything. Yeah, where your thoughts and your history can be implanted into those clones to let to allow you to live forever. Oh, so you're saying you would. You, that, that would be your ideal. Yeah, my Clone consciousness take, take needs to be. And yeah, consciousness and put it in the That's clone. the only way to achieve immortality. But you can't birth a clone with a soul or with a brain or with however you want to frame that idea. Look, iPhones and kill can, them iPhones and over- can fucking do it. Why can't we do it? <laughs> My iPhone has transferred. I just get a new one and I upload. I, 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 uh, you just pair it. Like yeah, you, you just like send. turn on your new iPhone. And as long as it's close to your old iPhone, it just takes everything from your old iPhone. And now it's in the new iPhone. <laughs> Let's just do that with humans. <laughs> like, you don't have to plug in anymore. And I'm not even on, like, the iCloud. I just turn it on, and it's like, do you want to take this and put it on this? I'm like, fuck yes, I do. <laughs> That's it. Dave, I can get down with that call. Yes. But I don't want to be in this fat boy body. Like, I want to be in. Well, pal. I want to be in <laughs> Tyler Durden, uh, Brad Pitt's Fight Club body. I don't want to continue in this body. What if Give me the, something else. What if the new, the new life came with one year membership to anytime fitness. And they're like, motherfucker, you do it. I don't want to work for it. I just the, the whole cloning Dave's first book. I don't want to work for it. <laughs> Build a better body today. Have you ever read the book? It's called Never Let Me Go about cloning. 
I have not. It's very interesting. If I have not done a lot and in, looked into a lot of cloning stuff. It's kind of a dystopian future novel where they're able to clone people. So it's fiction. It's fiction. They yeah. clone people. Like rich people can have their self cloned, have themselves cloned. Where if they get diseases, these clones are just there. Hmm. Who wrote? You know so you can it? pull your kidney out if you need it. If you can pull your liver out, and then when they're no longer, they don't tell them they're clones. They're just raised as you know. Like well, I'm not gonna get into the whole thing of the book, but it's a, it's a good book. All right, Ishiguro Kasuo Ishiguro Ishiguro, I believe is the author's name. It's a really good book if you never read it. Noted. I'll put that on. Check list, it out, yeah, and I will good. actually do that because I enjoy <laughs> reading books. It's good. It's a good movie too. They made out of it. Very sad. Well, you had me up until the very end when you're like, "It's very sad." You should check it out. I don't want to be depressed. Well, when you're when you're born as a clone and I, I rich get people it. get to harvest your organs that so sounds, they can survive, it's not pleasant. It's not going to be a happy ending. <laughs> Just makes you think, though. So over the next ten or so years, rail moved to Quebec. Quebec had a really strong railian following. That whole shit with John uh, Paragon on that daytime talk show TV, that really stuck. Like people were like all of a sudden they thought he was like this, you know, quirky kind of guy, whatever. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, oh, he's kid fucker. Yeah. He's doing some weird shit. Mm -hmm. Seventh book. I'm not a kid fucker. (laughs) (laughs) Self-published. Uh, moving to Quebec got him closer to uh, American media, so that got that that grew uh, realism even further. He was claiming forty thousand members at that time. He was putting in plans for an Elohim embassy that they wanted him to build an embassy. So that was Jesus. He was taking uh, taking money for that. Visions of grandeur, this guy. And then the Japanese um, portion of. His following sponsored a race car for him, so he got to start racing and living that dream out. What do we know? What kind of racing it was? I'm not sure. He won some some trophies and shit, though. Mm. They like bought him a membership to like the local swings and things. Got <laughs> <laughs> to this race car. <laughs> swings and things is a local little like I don't know. It's like. Arcade slash putt putt golf slash go karts that go seven miles an hour. And Some you, bad in cages and too. Bad right? cages. And you race against like a dad driving his kid in a go kart. And the like, category He comes in there with that white robe and his little <laughs> man bun skull. Thing. I am real. <laughs> Gentlemen, start your engines. <laughs> It's the like yeah, you know, those go karts like the ones in front of you start. You get like that puff of exhaust in your face. You're like, oh, fucking gross! Everyone's just died. That's ridiculous. You gotta go to the NASCAR uh, speed park. Those are fun go kart places. Have you ever been to one of those? Oh, NASCAR guy, yeah. I've been no, to those. I've been to the NASCAR cafe down in North Carolina, and I think they had the speed park, but it wasn't open at the those time. Those are fun. Yeah, you go fast. Well, that's a, I did uh, actual go-karting when I lived in Indianapolis, and it was a place that, like, some, like, Tony Stewart and Danica Patrick had used before to, like, test drive and practice oh, that's and cool. stuff. Yeah. You had to wear a fire suit, a helmet. Yeah, yeah. It was so much fun. Yeah. I remember my forearms the next day yeah. were so sore from just turning the sure. wheel. And, yeah. really? We got a cool place in town. Have you been to that place? No. I've been there, but I haven't done the go Oh, go-kart. it's so fun. Yeah, I would do it. 
I have, do you have to do like the helmet and stuff? You got to wear a helmet. You don't have to wear a fire suit or anything yeah. like that. But that's good. We've gone several times. Our mutual friend who likes the hairy beaver. <laughs> I beat him on several occasions at the local uh, at the place. Did Japan sponsor your race car? <laughs> they might have. <laughs> I like the idea of him racing against like just little kids and stuff. Like who have to like give tickets just to even get on the fucking gimmick. No, it is fast. Like fast. fast. <laughs> no, no, not you. I'm talking about. Uh, uh, oh, t- this uh, guy. Claude. Like Kramer fighting uh, his me. karate class beating right. up nine-year-olds. Right. They're like, yo, we got you this race car. <laughs> this is just a fucking, you know, there's like Ian said, there's batting cages next door to it. <laughs> You're a big boy now, Rayel. <laughs> you don't have to fuck five-year-olds anymore. You're in a big boy race. Ooh, they got Big Chuck and Little John doing commercials next door. Come to swings and things. This is literally funny to know them because they don't understand. Swings and things is fun, though. Oh, I used to love the shit out of those go-karts. <laughs> and then I turned like 16 and I was like, I could actually drive. And I was like, all right, well, that's, that's that. So in 1997, Rail started creating a bunch of corporations. And one of them was called Clonaid. Clonaid's goal was to recreate the Elohim technology that would give people eternal life through being cloned. We'll get to Clonaid in a bit. Because first we have to talk about Rail's <laughs> We have to talk about Rail's 1997 book titled The True Face of God. <laughs> I don't love that one, though. That one, not as much. Not that great. I right? want to know the entire book just by reading the title. This is where he's going to start flirting with children of God type stuff. In this book, he wrote that parents needed to start teaching their kids about sex by physically showing them how to do it. Rail was straight up promoting incest and sexual abuse of children and the media went wild with the shit that was in this new book. Rail responded by issuing a bunch of statements and doing interviews saying that his words were being manipulated. Eventually, claims started to be made public that underage children and teens were attending and being made to participate in those group meditations that turned into orgies. In response to that, Rail came up with a bracelet system to identify sexuality. There were colors for being straight or gay, things like that. But there was also a color if you were underage. Critics of realism are like, yeah, but like kids shouldn't even be there at all. You're kind of missing the point of this whole thing. <laughs> hey, they're still there. <laughs> One of those orgies. All the pedos are like, oh, there's the underage kids. Let's go talk to them. <laughs> Eventually, kids were then banned from these seminars. I also like how he said his words were being manipulated. They're like, motherfucker, here's the book (laughs) that you put out. Here is the words that you wrote. Is this you, the face of God by Rael? He's like, no, that's your words. That's Raul. That's not me. It was a typo on the front. It's manipulative because he's taking money from people. But like you said, it's not the worst thing we've talked about until you get to this. I liked the guy until I got to this kind of pseudo-pedo stuff. Yeah, because when you watch the documentary, a lot of the members are like showing off those bracelets like, oh, yeah, this is such a great thing that we do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not. It came about because of pedophilia. It wasn't made in some, you mm-hmm. know, in some positive right. way. Right. Like it was portrayed yeah, like, in the like, documentary. Oh, we're right. doing this because we're safe and we're you know, being healthy and great. Yeah. No, it's because fucking Chris Hansen showed up and you're like, okay, we're going to fix this. 
Why don't you have a seat there and tell me what this bracelet's Can all about, Can you imagine Rael? the field day he would have had? <laughs> Could have got like a, a whole a whole season out of that, just that, going from, you know, person to person. I see you brought some of your uh, self-published novels tonight and a pepperoni pizza and some condoms. I want you to have a seat <laughs> over there, Rael. <laughs> so kids were banned from the meditation seminars. But this seems really fucking bold, too, because right in the same time as this media storm was going on, Rail baptized 15-year-old Sophie de Neverville into Railism. And then the following year, when she was 16, he married her. Well, love is love, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't at know if 16, that's the term was, I would use. Was he legally that. able to marry her at the time? That, that's what I was going to say. Like, well, what, where was he? Was, was that illegal? Yeah, where was that? Where did they get married? Probably it was in France, Quebec. Where, like, where were they? Uh, you know, I don't know where. Look they were across the world. the world. That's not that unusual of a thing. I don't know. I'm not. Don't def- get me wrong. I'm not defending it, but yeah, I'm. I mean, yeah. I'm kidding. It's still yeah, fucking creepy. Sure. But well, we talked about I don't know it. If he's in, committing a crime here. We talked about it in Waco. I think we've talked about it in a lot of episodes. Yeah. yeah. Well, David Koresh had it. You know, right. it was technically legal, that's right. but. Yep. It's weird and fucking creepy and it's gross. What are you going to talk to a 16 year old about? But yeah. Yeah. Any child, even like probably 19 year olds and stuff at this point, I consider ch- like kids that I don't want to associate with. Like we talked about this the other day or the last episode. Yeah. I, like I don't have anything to say. Yeah. So like, don't, like, don't, we're talk just at to me. different no. places in life where like you just do your thing. I'm going to do mine. I have nothing to say to you. Yeah. And you probably have nothing to say to me. You go listen to your fucking, I don't know, One Direction. I'm going to go listen to Nickelback, <laughs> and we'll just live our lives. The focus of realism started to shift to clonade, with chief scientist of clonade being Dr. Brigitte Bosselier. Now, did Queen headline clonade? <laughs> That's Freddie Mercury's second last gig. <laughs> clonade, then live aid. <laughs> The name Clonade is absurd. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Dr. Boislier was a really smart woman. She had PhDs in chemistry and biochemistry, but in 1992, she either fell for Rails bullshit or she just got in on the scam. I'm thinking the latter. I think so, too. She's a very smart like accomplished woman i don't yeah i don't see her being duped or manipulated so you don't think she read i was taken to a intergalactic day spa and was like wow no No, i don't think so she was a learned woman learned woman in august 2000 a politician from west virginia named mark hunt found out about clonade through his research to find a way to clone his son who had passed away as a child Mark Hunt met with Dr. Bozlier, and she talked him into giving Clonade $500,000 to clone his son and then got them hooked up with their own laboratory. Dr. Bozlier planned to get multiple Raelian women who were pregnant to have abortions, and then those women would be impregnated again with a clone of that aborted baby. It's a good plan, I guess. How do you... Well... I'm not sure exactly how this logistics. So they were they were forcing women to have abortions. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't like I wouldn't say this is a willing abortion. You're manipulated by a guy who's a clear cult leader. Yeah. So you you take the DNA sample from the aborted fetus and create 
the, create the embryo or the whatever. embryo to implant. And then put it in these women. But how do you compare that and confirm it's a clone? Like, do you, you don't because none keep, of this is real. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is just absurd. All of. I can't believe but these people were taken serious were for a bit. they were saying they were doing. Yeah. Right. They were admitting to forcing some of their members to have abortions. I mean, oh, no, I, they weren't saying this publicly. This is stuff oh, that's come okay, out later. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Was Mark's brother Mike involved in the financing of this at all? <laughs> I know. I was going to say before, I was like, oh, he was so close. <laughs> <laughs> His parents were like, we love the name Mike. Well, we want to name our kid Michael. But we can't. So we'll go with Mark. I mean, Mike Hunt is always involved in cloning activities going way back. Well, and, you know, Mike or Michael's, you know, a five-star name. Mark's sure, a two-star sure. name. <laughs> two-star Mark. No one wants to be two-star Mark. Two-star Mark, five-star wife. <laughs> a month later, in September of 2000, Rail and Dr. Bozier held a press conference with several of the Israelian women who were on board to participate in this nonsense. They alluded to Mark Hunt being the main source of funding, but they never actually said his name because he wanted to stay anonymous. In early 2001, Dr. Bozlier promised the cloning of a human child within a year. And in March of 2001, she was asked to testify in front of Congress regarding her work. Dr. Bozlier requested that Rael be allowed to speak as well, to which Congress said, sure, he can talk. They probably took a look at this picture and they're like, oh, yeah, we want to hear what this guy has to say. Please bring him in. This is going to be fun. Uh, his testimony was largely nonsense, and it just got a lot of attention based on the way he was dressed. That attention from this cloning nonsense brought forward a lot of grieving parents who wanted their deceased children cloned, and Rael had no problem charging them a $200,000 deposit. God damn. That's the thing. This part is where the evil aspect of cults comes in or just comment in general. Yeah. This guy is just searching out that Mark Hunt guy is just searching out a way to bring his dead kid back to life. Mm -hmm. So they've charged him 500,000. And now these other people, you know, want their kids back. That's real scummy. I feel like they yeah. had plenty of money and it wasn't even necessary. It's just the greed then, it's just right? The greed. Like, like it's never more enough, and more right? and more. Yeah. Like and he had the a power good, and the power trip, maybe like these people are coming to us. They want, our I help. guess. Yeah. Like you had a good thing going. There's all these hot girls around. You're fucking, you're doing this, you're doing that. Why, why do you need to do this con con artist stuff? Like, what do you get out of that? Why isn't, why isn't yeah. what you had going enough? Like you're some fucking dopey race car magazine guy. And look, we were like eight, seven and a half pages of these notes. And we we're like, yeah, this might be the guy. <laughs> And then he has yeah. to go and fucking ruin it. Like he had it going. Well, and again, there was still the kids. Yeah, stuff. he was like, fucking kids too. But the, and that was kids pissed. were a part like of that orgies. Was proven yeah. though, like they they know that for sure. Like mm -hmm. they were okay. I didn't know if that was just alleged about him or not. Yeah, there were yeah, kids. So that's and he wrote happened. about it. Yeah, he wrote about it in the book. Okay. Well, we got like four pages out of him then. It's a shame because like he was on the right track. He came up with just nonsense and got all these people and made ten million dollars on this. What was the name of the first book? I, I don't know. The, this I book tells a, the truth. I started a cult. Read this, <laughs> this book. book tells the, yeah. oh, the book that tells the truth. Yeah. You paid me fifty eight grand this for this book. book. Tells the truth. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like Ian said, it, you know, if he's just a true pedophile, once you get that power, then it's it's no holds barred. Like you just have our yeah. blanche on doing whatever you want to do. 
Yeah, I suppose. And I mean, who knows what really goes on behind the scenes with them? They're, they, this isn't like Children of God where there's tons of ex-members speaking mm. out against stuff. It's not, um, there's not a ton of backlash, but what's yeah. out there is bad enough where it's like a lot of smoke. So you know that there's probably something right. well, and they're all, more they shit also, going on. They probably weren't as big as it's not a lot of those cults. I mean, they weren't huge, it sounds like. So maybe that's why you're not having as many people come out of the woodwork because they were they seem to be a, a smaller. At the same time, Rail was testifying in front of Congress and having Dr. Boslier work on cloning a human. He was doing the classic cult sex shit. In 2001, Rail created the White Angels. This was 165 women that were personally selected by Rail to be missionaries. I really love the White Angels. <laughs> <laughs> I am very, very supportive of the white angels. No black angels, white angels only. He's right. I mean, that's it's a good journalism, Dave. I'm I, glad you found that clip, that audio clip of here in Elohim City. We only like the white angels. <laughs> so he then created a smaller group called the Pink Angels. This was six women that Rail found to be the most attractive. They were to take a vow of celibacy to only have sex with Elohim when they came back to Earth. But in the meantime, Rail could have sex with them whenever he wanted. Oh, of course he could. I mean, <laughs> uh, because he switched this. <laughs> I didn't see that coming at all. At this time, he switched this up a bit where he. Um, he actually was part Elohim. Like he had, there was some oh, Jesus stuff going on here. Okay. And, well, he's Jesus half brother. So that makes sense. It's right? eighth book. I'm Jesus. Half brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like the Congress thing almost forced him to do that because in Congress they were like, would you ever clone yourself? And he's like, Oh no, I would never do that. But in his, I already have a clone in the uh, planet of the eternal senator. No, he, he completely denied that he fucked mm. up publicly because like, well, wait, your book about this book tells the truth. It talked about you being cloned. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, shit. Yeah. So he's he switched it up a bit. Well, got to add that sometimes <laughs> when you're uh, making shit up like this. <laughs> Look, you can't let that pussy mummify while you're waiting for the Elohim to come back. Right. <laughs> got to keep it active. <laughs> got to keep that conveyor belt going. Right. He's just doing the Lord's work. Right. Rail did some more children of God shit like flirty fishing. Rail created a network of sex workers that were converted to realism and then sent back out to recruit new members. What was the fucking Keith Ranieri's thing called? Nexium. Yeah. But what didn't the, cause they had like the pyramid scheme of women getting women. Was that called, what was that? Was that? It was called DOS, but is that what it was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It stood for something. Okay. Fuck you, Keith. All of the Keiths listening to this. <laughs> he hates Keiths. Doesn't love him at all. Your name's Keith. Fuck you. <laughs> Do something about it. <laughs> but thank you for listening. Dr. Boslier announced at a press conference in Florida in December of 2002 that CloneAid had successfully produced a live-born clone named Eve um, for a couple that couldn't have kids. After- what, what's it a clone of, then? You're asking questions. If man. they couldn't have kids, what are you cloning? <laughs> Don't ask these well, questions. So I quit applying logic to a logical situation, pal. 
Who the fuck are you to ask that kind of question? That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> well, you're going to get in line. You're going to shut up. You're just going to take it. <laughs> Dude, there's nothing to clone. I don't understand. Or maybe I, it was a cloned baby and they were just going to give it to these people. Mm, oh, like some, a different baby. They're going to give you the clone. I remember when this happened back then. I absolutely remember. What was this? It was wild. 2001, two, three. 2002. I remember for sure. I was driving around in my Chevy Cavalier, listening to burn CDs that I made on uh, <laughs> Kazam or whatever the fuck I was doing. That <laughs> Kazaa. Kazaa. That's it. So after this announcement, Dr. Bozier received a ton of press, but it was all pretty much mocking realism. And it opened the door for Rail's first wife to start speaking to the media. Um, and others. And the most interesting one was his friend from racing who said that after the initial success of the first book, they met up together and they were at a restaurant and his friend just straight up asked him said, Claude, like, <laughs> is it real? Is this story real? And he said, no, I made it all up. You don't say. God damn. Interesting. Claude then, when this guy went public at this point, like I said, his wife came out all like the floodgates kind of opened a bit mm -hmm. for him. Claude tried to sue his friend for defamation or whatever. Right. A French court said, okay, well you need to prove that he's lying. You know, you need to prove it. Right. He couldn't prove it. So he sure. just like, went. What the sure. fuck do you mean by that? <laughs> no, I'm suing his ass. Read my book. Elohim don't have to come down here and show up in court. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's a kind of a I hit the lottery type scenario. Like if you would have just been cool and that went off the rails, you could just live that. been fine. Your deal, you like you'd have been fine. You got all this going. These people love it. This video, this this documentary watch has lots of hot chicks, topless, bouncing up and down, and like banging this goofball with the <laughs> fucking skullet bun. That's something. Else. Like, just don't fuck kids, and you're fine. I, Look, I I don't understand. Listen up, Jared Leto and Kanye West. Whatever you're doing, your cults are working. Don't fuck kids. You're probably gonna do very well. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I would be a big fan of Kanye, though, if he did do the Larry Fine haircut. <laughs> he could pull that off. <laughs> big fan. Dr. Bozier appeared on a bunch of network news broadcasts and refused to give details about Eve or Eve's family. After receiving a ton of backlash from the real scientific community, Dr. Bozier said that a DNA test was coming soon and announced that five more clones would be born later that year. Bernard Siegel, a lawyer from Florida, jumped on this shit show real quick, and he said that there should be a hearing about Eve's welfare. In January 2003, he started legal proceedings to bring the clone's parents to court so its health could be verified. Rael and Dr. Bozier said the filing was an attempt to take the child from loving parents and announced that in protest, they would not be providing a DNA sample for testing. An arraignment happened on January 24th and was televised live on CNN. Dr. Bozier and Cloning's vice president, Thomas Kainzig, were subpoenaed instead of Eve's parents. In courtroom testimony, vice president of Clonaid said that he knew very little about Eve and that Dr. Bozier controlled all of the information. Dr. Bozier just straight up didn't show up for that first hearing, which resulted in contempt of court charges. She did attend a second one on January 29th, telling the court that Eve was in Israel, to which the judge ruled that the court had no jurisdiction. 
In February, Dr. Blosier held a press conference where she announced that Eve's parents had cut off contact with her and would never speak to the press. What is she doing in this country? I didn't think they were here. Like, why is she here appearing? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder. Well, there was like this whole debate going on with cloning at the time because the sheep. Dolly. Yeah, it was cloned. Yeah. And then Bill Clinton put a federal ban on cloning, on human cloning. Uh-huh. And then after him, George W. kept it going. He, he re-signed that. I just didn't think any of them were based here. I know you're not really subject to American laws or subpoenas. What are they doing here? It almost sounded like, well, the um, Mark Hunt, the politician from West Virginia mm-hmm. that gave them 50 grand or 500 grand. Um, he set them up with a laboratory in the United States. Uh, okay. And then with testifying in front of Congress, it seems like rail was like, this is my time to shine and wanted to testify. Cause he was, yeah. she asked if, if he could testify, he didn't have to be there. No, he He's wanted like, to get me in. Yeah. He could have just stayed in the back. Dumb again, or he dumb. just not showed up. Yeah, I guess that's what you meant. Stayed in the back, like just behind the scenes. Do you think there was actually a baby they procured from somewhere and gave to this family and said it's a clone? The family was in on it. Or is there no family? Is there no baby? I don't think any of that. Is there nothing at all? I thought was it's all smoke. Yeah, there's no proof of any of the story at all. But they were. Oh, they moved to Israel and they're not talking to. (laughs) Oh, okay. I mean. They had the media's attention for a while there. Yeah. And they had people taking I them remember, serious, yeah. like on TV debating, like, is it possible to clone a human and stuff? And real scientists are like, no, you can't. It will be at some point. But no one, I was reading about that, and no one's ever, there's not a lot of research into it. Yeah. No one's really getting into that too much. You gotta do it in North Korea or something. <laughs> or there's no laws and i mean you're, you, i guess so you, you're not gonna do it in this country no there's no federal ban on it right now but there's a mm. bunch of states where yeah. it's illegal no you don't want the hassle and again it's the only way to immortality what's that it's cloning cloning you gotta be able to make a, a replication of your body here but Another Take, vessel. Implant the brain. And implant though. the brain. With Everything's a, but with a brain, better body. But with a better body. I don't want my body. That's not great. I want. Uh, yeah. I mean. Right. I'll let you and your scientists work on that. And I would join that. Goal. I want my consciousness <clears throat> to go into someone else's body. Look, if they can clone us, can we, are we not that far? We're not that far off from just a science where we could eat whatever we want and drink whatever we want. And it just doesn't make us fat pieces of shit. Oh, that sounds great. I could get on board with that. Yeah. And like, also I want to be able to get super drunk and then wake up the next day and be a hundred percent. Right. I'd like four Wendy's triples, please. And yes. I'm going to drink and a, a whole case bottle of, of bourbon Miller, and a case of Miller Lite <laughs> and a bottle of bourbon. And I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm not going to be glued to the toilet. And I'm going to feel fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to go run uh, 20 miles. <laughs> exactly. Because I can. Because I have a clone body. I want that cult. And I'm in. I'm in too. And not counting kid stuff. Because fuck that. I will overlook some suspicious activity <laughs> and illegal activity to be a part of that cult. 
Oh, like you're against the kids stuff. Yeah, you said, no, fuck if there's that. kids stuff. I thought you meant fuck those kids. No, if there's kids oh, stuff, okay. I'm 100% not doing that. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. I misunderstood for but a like, second. But like, you know, if you're just like, oh, those kids, yeah. fuck that. But yeah, I want to fuck that. No, yeah, no, 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 no. That is not, I apologize if that's how it came out. <laughs> but like, if you're scamming people out of money, but you're, you're letting eat, you know, Wendy's triples and Culver's doubles and drinking a case of Miller Lite and some Crown Royal. Yeah, I might look the other way occasionally. I, I agree. Yeah, like if there's some money laundering going on, I, I don't know. You yeah, know what? Don't involve me in it. I'm, gonna, I don't, I'm too dumb. I don't know. It's people above me. I'm just down here eating my Culver's. Like you don't think the Catholic <laughs> Church is doing money laundering? Like it's you know. Hey, hey, come on. I'm just saying. Give me that cult. That's all I, I want. I agree. I'm there. So in 2010, a group of ex-members using the handle Raylian Leaks published documents regarding the abuses like this kid shit we've talked about uh, that all the money and lies of membership in 2010 rail said that they had 85,000 members, but those leaked documents put the uh, membership numbers at more like 15,000 today. Raylian headquarters is in Geneva, Switzerland. They claim to have more than a hundred thousand members and over 50 embassies worldwide. Dr. Bosler is still a devout member and seems to be the number two in charge to Rael. He's getting kind of old. I think he's like 71, 72, something like that. It's pretty old. There's no at least public successor to this. Not group. a lot of bench strength in this uh in <laughs> <laughs> his uh his kids want nothing to do with him. Yeah. Now that they've kind of broken away from that that spell. Look, it seems like a great way to get unlimited sex. Like if you're not one of these Mike Namapod guys where you snap your fingers and just Punani falls at your feet. I would never start a cult, though. <laughs> I wouldn't take advantage of people that way. But that's what I'm saying. You have easy access to the to right. the Punani. You just snap your fingers and it appears. If you're a goofball like this guy <laughs> with the fucking skulled bun, you got to come up with interesting ways to get the to get the sex. Uh, seems like, uh, it seems like it worked out for him. I highly recommend that Vice document. It's very interesting. And and they do some good work. Like they have a whole community in Burkina Faso in Africa, like the poorest country in Africa, and the people love them. They yeah. set up a, a whole hospital to do I mean we're getting a little deep here, but that you know, it's a Muslim country where they do the female circumcision stuff, which is just absolutely disgusting. But they set up a hospital to do Clitoris, Mike, you probably just I'm, I'm, yeah. don't pay attention because you probably don't know what we're talking about. Here, but <laughs> Clitoris reconstruction surgery over there. And uh, I mean, like they do good works. They're not yeah. evil by any stretch. If people and and this is what I was doing over here. If if you want to know what Rael looks like and like if, if there's going to be a movie played about him, yeah. is it not Clint Howard who plays him? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Because that is exactly what he looks like. Clint Howard's an interesting looking guy. Uh, well, so is Claude. Ron Howard's brother, Clint, is exactly who would play him. But people seem happy. And yeah, everyone in this cult seems happy. They do, they do good works. They had this whole thing where they set up a clip box. Where anytime you fucked, you had to put a donation in this clip box, and the clip box donations went towards opening this clit restoration on hospital. I mean, it sounds silly, but it really is a good cause because, you know, girls getting mutilated like that 
is fucking disgusting. And they were doing good work. And and then I Clitoris reconstruction stuff. They got shut down because, you know, they're in fucking Africa with some corrupt. Well, women can't. Yeah. Women treated our feel pleasure or anything yeah. crazy like that. But I don't know, man. Because the documentary starts off with that. So when I was watching it, I'm like, fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm going to like this guy. Because I'm like, this is a really good thing that he's doing. And that's kind of where I'm there. coming from. Yeah, I watched that before I read any of this pedo. I'm, like, I'm having a hard time because I really like the guy when I just watched the movie. He's goofy. Yeah. I don't believe you, he, you didn't go up to see aliens. But <laughs> no. I mean, are there many people that really do? Yeah, like, but I agree with your outlook on life. You're not harming anyone. I mean, until well, we heard about this pedo stuff, but it seemed pretty good. The money stuff is always, you know, the big issue. Yeah. Or one of the We're big issues. A- but yeah, like taking advantage of people, especially people that are grieving over their kids. That's harsh. I am. It's tough. Did, did did the scientists tell him, yeah, we can do this. We just need money. We're like, it's well, hard. And to that's get, what we don't know. Yeah. It's hard to get but, in the inner workings of this. Did he know? Did he like, let's, I'm let's sure. pillage these people for their money or did his science like he's. Yeah. I don't you know. know. I feel like we might be making excuses for he's, him at that point though. And I'm just Did asking. Yeah, he's I, a dopey guy. Like he has PhD, you know, double PhDs and Harvard scientists. In the cult, but you know, he, he himself is he's Clint Howard. He's a dopey guy. <laughs> like, do they tell him, Yeah, no. we can do this, we just need money. So he's like, All right, we'll collect this money from these people. And you know what I mean? Yeah, but he's never come out and said he's been like, You know, yeah, I don't know. Like, oh, what, I, I thought we were doing well, so I'm gonna give this money back. What level of scam was this? Was this naive? cult leader guy that just like to fuck and help people or was this with regards to the cloning yeah was this still con man that was trying to take maybe. people that lost their kids in a cloning I mean, closet scam I don't know he's been clo- or he's been conning people from the beginning you know he got all that money from well they got his book, book though I'd be, they got his book. I'd be paying good money for those books just just to have <laughs> I mean, the series you guys sounds def- like the book i just great. want the series just for the name of them <laughs> you guys are really defending <laughs> no i just Rail. want that book series because <laughs> those names are fucking awesome that's all i have for this guy i'm just saying compared to what some of these cults do here's what i'll say about it. there's enough hints of him being like david berg here even with the the female mutilation stuff going on that they were reversing. One of those girls was like, oh yeah. And rail likes to see what we look like and make sure we weigh a certain weight. What, what does that have to do with getting your, your, your genitalia? Yeah. Fixed? He, yeah. He was all about the beauty and you That's had to some be Keith Rainier shit. Yeah. yeah. So there's hints of that David Berg stuff and things like that yeah. with him. A lot of it. I wouldn't be surprised someday if you read something like a tell all about yeah. some crazy shit going on behind the scenes with him. You know, you're right. I, I, I like the overarching overarching over whatever the, the, the message of the cult, but just like any other cult, what goes on behind the scenes yeah. is probably not great. The guy's probably not great, but what they preach on the outside, you know, I'm kind of down with. And look, being abducted, not abducted, but going up and visiting aliens is more believable than a guy resurrecting from the dead after being crucified. Like, we tend to think these things are crazy in newer religions, 
and give a pass to older religions, but you know, the guy resurrecting from the dead is pretty fucking crazy. Well, yeah, it's a lot more crazy than you know maybe aliens visiting you. I don't know. Cloned him, put him back down. <laughs> Look, it's all fucking uh, whacked, but. Well, so what? Tell me about this Vice documentary that we've been talking about throughout the show. What's well, so what we were just talking about? It opens up with um, talking about the hospital mm-hmm. to do these surgeries on women. Yeah. It's an Israeli filmmaker who is one of several. I don't know how many people to get an invite. Right, the award. But Madonna the award. was one Madonna, of them. Madonna, like all these people, <laughs> and like he gets there, he's like, "Oh, I'm the only one that accepted," and it's kind of. You know, just how he gets to know them and film them. And so he, he kind of gets sucked in a little bit. And they, they're at an awards ceremony. He's like, yeah, I'm the only one. Oh, they pulled out all the stops. Yeah, for they're like, oh, you're a fucking superhero, dude. And he has to speak. And it's just an interesting dynamic. And the, the access they give this guy. One thing that made me completely like, like, okay, I don't believe anything that this guy's talking about was watching the documentary seeing how everybody was wearing those bracelets for mm. um for their sexuality and being like oh this is such a positive thing we all yeah. know everything about each other yeah. you know so there's no communication issues well that's just stemmed because you were fucking kids yeah yeah i feel like i was duped watching the documentary so was and i when i read through this stuff yeah and i don't, I don't want to come across like i'm defining this guy like, I like a lot of their ideas. I'm really down with the cloning thing because I think it's really he, cool. He had but four this guy's just fucking scumbag. He got four of good pages of notes. Yeah. That's further than most cult leaders get in our book. I just want it to be known, though, that if they offer me an award, I might be open to showing up and accepting just, the award. Just seeing what it's just like. Just see what's happening there. <laughs> if they take me, if they want to send me to Burkina Faso, the planet of eternal whatever. No, that's a country in Africa, Mike. No, but I want to go to the day spa. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh I go to the day spa. I want, to, I want them to send me to the day oh, spa. Oh, yeah. The planet of eternity or whatever. Yeah, that. I want to get the the whole spa treatment. And Even I that's ba- really... I want to bang a robot with a uh, wearing a helmet that plays music <laughs> to my thoughts. Even that's really specific. Instead of like the planet actually just having a name of a planet or something. The planet of eternity. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's not the most, I don't know. Original. Yeah. Well, like a lot of that stuff's fucking Greek mythology mixed with whatever. Like I said earlier, it's a mishmash of. That's why he picked himself as the average man. That's why they picked him. So he could dumb it down for us and make it. There's an interview with him. I don't know who's conducting the interview. It's in that documentary. The guy's like, why would Yahweh choose an uneducated race car magazine publisher <laughs> from whatever? He's like, I don't know. I'm an everyman or something. I, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it was really. But funny. that's the greatest excuse because then you can use that. Like, I don't know. I'm the. I'm just every guy. I was chosen. Yeah, you're not expected to have the answers. That's right. I would not join this movement or cult. No, there's aspects of it this that I like, but yeah. I was swayed early on because I watched the documentary beforehand. But yeah, this guy's a scumbag like every other fucking cult leader. When it sounds Fuck like that, that doctor, um, the the girl might even be the kind of like now the brains behind it all and worse than him. Like she's probably running it and he's just fucking at this point, right? If he's probably. even doing that, he probably, I hope he has a Bluetooth subscription. 70 fucking years old, whatever he is. Oh, he's. Jesus' half brother, he can fuck still. 
<laughs> I think even Jesus used blue chew, pal. Talk about resurrected. I mean, it's a, it is a funny story up until the, the kid shit. It is. I, the, the uh, we had a good time with it up until then. And the Elohim's going like, yeah, the clones went off the rails with crucifying Jesus. Like that wasn't supposed to happen. That's great. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts on this one? Anything else? No, this just bummed me out. The whole kid stuff. It's an interesting way to do the research, I guess. Yeah fall for it and then yeah read all the negativity i had a fucking go i would have to be the one that comes and pulls you guys out of this cult yeah you to yeah. watch the documentary and joined and because mike doesn't do any research i would have been the only one free of it and i gotta go convince you guys hey get the fuck out of here <laughs> i'm gonna start a cult i got blizzards and i got sushi come join my call yeah, you guys are like yeah. oh all right we're listening all right we got some uh New patrons to shout out. Thank you very much to Shay, Passive Minus, Wilted <laughs> Wilted Asparagus, Tyler Mac Mac Tyler Mac Chickert. <laughs> Jesus, I'm laughing now. Thinking of Wilted Asparagus. <laughs> Tyler Machikern, Casey Anthony, Ligma Balls, Cup of Kool-Aid. Alice in Wonderland, Heather Feather, Braylon, I Ran Out of Free Shows. That's a good enough reason. Cat Christie, Drew Dozier, Sean Moran, Salah Osman, Cuckboy RD, <laughs> Brendan Holtzman, D. Pinma Punani. <laughs> That's Dave's. That's Dave's. <laughs> Is it not? That is mine. <laughs> of course it is. D, pin my punani. <laughs> he sent me the list like 10 seconds before we started. I started reading them and I was like, uh, I scrolled through and I was like, that's his. <laughs> Sarah Humphreys, Jolly Nubs, Mike's Nipple Clamps. That's not even a thing. That's You shouldn't even joke about that. Dave is a thunder twat. I don't even know what that means. I think it's a good thing. Is it a good thing? Like, here to save the day. Thunder twat. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I'll take it. Chelsea, Jesse Allen, Shayna, Elizabeth, Trent Gobble, Mike's frothy asshole. <laughs> Big fan of that. There's a lot of fucked up people today. Kilbo Baggins, <laughs> Rachel Diane Corkin, Corkern, Justin Analik. <laughs> Ian loves asking Alexandria. That's not true. Anna Campbell, Lynn, son of a bitch, Lynette Oliver. Sorry, I accidentally closed out the uh, list. E Murph, Christy Palmer, Lee Page, Leah Page, excuse me, Kyla Conroy, Katie Carlson, Tina Britton, Kinsey D, Crash 187, Sophia H. Mark Arnold, P.K. Schmitty, Mike's Tiny Peen, <laughs> Dylan, Obsessive Compulsive Dick Order, <laughs> Ashley Tucker, Joseph Kafer, Edward Valles, Mistress Thundercunt, and Cindy Bravo. Thank you all very much. We are at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Ian. For iTunes, I've one for Brand G34. Going postal on you. 
Boston Mom 5, Quid Ninja, House Redbeard 52, Chas Dub 2021, King 1996, and Autumn Haley. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. I got a couple shots here. I got one for uh, Andrew Muscuzzi. Happy birthday, Andrew Muscuzzi. Muscuzzi, Muscuzzi. Muscuzzi. I had another one here. So last week, Mikey did a shout out that was requested by Johnny Schmuff for his wife. And her name is Camilla. And patrons. Wa- no, patrons. I don't get free shout outs. Patrons. And he wanted it to be a surprise. Well, this week, we have a message from Camilla for a <laughs> shout out to Johnny Jeez. Schmuff. Oh. I don't know if they're reversing the favor or paying each other back or. So happy birthday, Johnny Schmuff. It's the reverse of last week. So shout out to Camilla. Camilla. Shout out to Johnny Schmuff. Two weeks in a row. I hope you both are satisfied. Shout out to you both. I didn't realize we had it to the $10 tier. Every fucking person in your house gets a <laughs> special shout out. After their initial shout out. Hope you both enjoyed it, I guess. And I have a special shout out to D. Pin My Punani. <laughs> That's my favorite new patron. <laughs> and from the foreign iTunes desk, uh, G Promo, Felicity1332, and Myra. Thank you so much for the non-US of A iTunes reviews. Does it say where they're from? It does. Would you like to know? Hey, we don't have, I just Well, you know, it's for fine. The future, I think it'd be cool I, just I, to hear. I didn't write that part down, but I have it right in front of me, of I course. I just didn't know. Let's see what we I'm got. Brag here. about being a global brand. Myra is from Belgium. Ooh. How about that? They make dynamite waffles. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> We've got uh yeah here. G Promo from Canada. I'll take it. Good and poutine. Felicity1332 from Great Bit, Great Britain. All right, look at that. So keep those uh foreign out of the United States reviews coming. Love yeah. to see it. That's cool. I like hearing that. All right, got anything else? And D, pin my punani. <laughs> I hope you have. A wonder great, where that one came. I from. hope you have a great week. Where was that one from? Do we know? Was that that wasn't a that was the United one. States? Okay. Yeah, I think it was from Arkansas. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Little Rock, probably Little Rock. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? We're good. You guys, anything else you want to get off your chest tonight? That bottle of vodka is half empty. Now that it started as full, and I am pretty, pretty loaded after this pretty, uh, pretty, cult conversation pretty, pretty, tonight. The energy was different tonight. I feel like all three of us were just ready to go. This kind of had bonus show energy. It did, for but sure. like not quite there. Yeah, it's hard to tell like ridiculous jokes and fuck around when there's when you're half murder. a bottle of vodka deep. Well, no, yeah. when there's murder involved and innocent victims and stuff. And this one, these cult shows are... It's tougher to do. It's a little easier well, to cut loose, you know? One like this, when there's not actual, you know, murder and victims. That's what I mean. Yeah. I, I didn't know you were clarifying just about cult. I thought yeah. you were talking about like serial just killers. Just this one in murders. particular, you know. Sure. It's more fun to mock the nonsense involved in stories like this. Yeah. I think I said this off air. I kind of enjoy doing, you know, these cult ones in one part. And I know sometimes it's hard because there's so much information, but it's nice. I always like the call episodes, but they never seem to do as well in the downloads 
uh, you know, opposed to other episodes or topics we do. Hopefully people like this one because, I don't know. It's different. It's the whole story in one episode. Here we are two hours and fucking, you know, 50 minutes into recording. <laughs> people are going to be pissed when they get the episode. And it's only two hours. I'm like, where's that 50 minutes? <laughs> yeah, it's Mike pissing. Okay. Yeah. You're not going to get that. That's my only fans. It's gone to the ages. That's my only fans. And for a dollar and 19 cents a month, you can watch me piss. So what's your final thoughts about Rayel, Mike? I just want to smell his dick. <laughs> I mean, I understand. I understand that. <laughs> no, thank you. All right. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Necronomapod, patreon.com slash Necronomapod. And Amazon.com, search Necronomapod if you are interested in our merch. Necronomapod.com has the stickers. And we are in the process of looking into more koozies. So stand by on that. We might have some uh, a new design coming out uh, hopefully soon. Uh, so we'll keep you posted on that. All right. You guys ready for a cool round beer? Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>